We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, a page from the Diary of Flo. Dear Diary, the ghost is back. This house is protected through Progressive, but that doesn't mean it's not haunted. How else would you explain that radiator-like clanking sound? Or the moon-colored light in the hallway that's gone by morning? Maybe he never bundled home an auto, and he's doomed to suffer an eternity without the savings. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. <gasps> what was that wind-like sound? Oh, right, the wind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This is... This is... This is... This is... This is... With Giancarlo Nava and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Nava. With me today, we have co-founder and producer, Mr. Brian Goins. How are you, sir? You get to hear me guys more. Yes, Brian's going to talk more. Brian's usage is going up today because the only other person on the program today is Mr. Chris Whittingham. Uh, Chris, you're in so many places now. Uh, where do I say? Where, where are you from? Uh, I am of myself. Okay, you are of just, yourself. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, and out to, to specify one outlet would be unfair to the others. So I am of CBS Sports, BN Sports, occasionally on Univision as well, and yeah, Univision, I should say, like hey! that as well. Uh, appearing occasionally on Five Sixty WQAM as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over. The man I'm piecing it talents. together. Yes, Chris Whittingham. He's like, a, you're a journeyman of the NBA, except all at the same time. Right, exactly. Well, I, 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 would, uh, I would say it's, it's like, uh, I don't, I don't want to flatter myself and call myself Draymond Green, but I am doing that number of things, but much, <laughs> but much more poorly. Draymond Green light. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. With like a hint of Courtney Lee, because he's been everywhere. Right, exactly. Right. Well, who who is who is the player most associated with having been everywhere? That's what I was about to ask you because, like, when I think Journeyman, I just think Courtney Lee. I think of Drew Gooden for some reason. Oh, that's a good one. That, that's a really good one. Drew Gooden's good. Gerald Green also. He's. I mean, he's. Well, actually, no. Boston's the second place he repeated. He was. Yeah, that's a. 
I feel like I, I remember seeing a cover of a book, I forget by who, where it was like, hey, I was an NBA journeyman, and here are all the like eight jerseys that I wore during the course of my career, along with me in, in, the, in the picture of the book. I don't know why I remember that. I don't remember who the player was, but it sticks out in my head. And I, I don't know who like the modern day equivalent of that is. Do you remember that day that Luke Ridenour got tr- like that week that Luke Luke Ridenour- Ra- Luke Ridenour is an excellent example of this. He was like on five different teams in a week. I was I I loved Luke Ridenour's expiring contract was my favorite <laughs> was my favorite trade talk day of deadline day ever. It was so good. He's like the the last asset standing like. <laughs> <laughs> he was moved. that was so funny do you think he got on a plane and, or like do you think after the third time he's like i'm gonna stay put to see where i right am. I'll, I'll wait for 3 p.m on tuesday to figure out which hotel i need to be staying at and where i'm going to move my family like if who, at all who covers steve those Blake. Fl- oh that's no, is he i I, oh, I can only think of portland and the lakers seven teams seven teams seven. what Blake? what are the teams do you have them I'm looking at a list from the richest. <laughs> oh, great way to go! I thought you had like they basketball. They have him on a Warriors jersey. He was on the Warriors. His career earnings was thirty-two million. So let's let's pull up Steve Blake's teams. I did not think this is where we were going to start. Washington, Portland, Milwaukee, Denver. Um, See, I don't know like half of those. Yeah, I don't remember any of that. I remember Portland, the Lakers for a while, and then the Warriors, then Portland again, then Detroit. He kept go. He had three different stints with Portland. He got traded from Portland to Milwaukee. That sounds right. He was there are players to- that like go back for like the last year of their career to a place where I remember them being. I feel like that's a thing in the NBA. <laughs> three t- but like three times? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about three times, but yeah. Like I mean, he went back at 34 years old and just played a season and then retired in Detroit. Which I don't remember. I'm mad at basketball reference because I go to them for everything and I don't even know what to punch in right now. Like, what do I punch in? <laughs> like, do I go to player season finder and like say, like, give me most number of teams with one player? What would we be <laughs> without basketball reference? Oh, I mean, I, I kid you not, I'm there probably. At, every time I go to work, I go to basketball reference because I think of something. And the play index is for me like the so number good. one tool in the history of sports. Because, you, I mean, you find everything. Any kind of, like, I, I remember, so my first job in radio, or my first, like, kind of, the first time I got hired was to do the 790 morning show. I don't know if you remember this, when um, Stugatz and Hawk yes. were doing both the morning and the afternoon show. The so I was interning for the afternoon show at the time, and they're like, hey, do you need any help in the morning? And so, and so they, said, I, they said yes. I went there for day one as an intern, and day two they hired me. And so my job every day... <laughs> And so my job every day was to put together like tidbits on Miami Heat playoff games. Like, you know, uh, here, you know, like eight statistical pieces of information. And this is all basketball reference related. And it was always like, oh, LeBron had 33, 8 and 7 last night. Let me look up the last time somebody did that. And because it's such an arbitrary group of statistics, there's only like three people ever that did that. And if you, you also include the three steals that he got, then it was also like, oh, he's there's only like two people ever that did that too. So, and, and basketball reference is so perfect for that to find those like arbitrary only three other people have ever done this kind <laughs> Yay! of. Statistic. Yes, that's like classic Elias, like ESPN. They always yeah. do that, but like they include like shooting fifty seven percent. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is clearly it's like basketball reference gives you four tools, and so I'm just gonna put all four of the incredible stats in there and see what it tells me. I'm gonna make. Make this special, damn it. 
I will make right, this exactly. exclusive. Right, yeah, exactly. What you saw tonight was unique. <laughs> I will make you feel good. Right. Oh, my God. Did they ever use... Because, like, Hawk and Stugatz aren't numbers guys. Like, did you do that in vain, or were they used? No, no, they, they, they used them because, like, it was kind of like those kind of ESPN stats and info kind of nuggets that I would find... And it was really only used to back up their arguments. Now here's and 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 here's and here's Classic something radio. that I would argue with. I don't think that they are not numbers guys. I just don't think that they care enough to put in the time to go and find them. Whereas if someone presents you with the information and says, "Hey, here's one page of information and all the things you need to need," all you have to do is read one page. Anyone can do that. And so I feel like at that point they used them. Like, and it was always very satisfying as a producer. Like. When you don't have an on-air role, the only thing you want is to contribute to the show in some capacity. And they, they, they would, like, throw me a bone every once in a while and read out my numbers. That's nice. But, like, to, to your point, I think, I think you're right to an extent, but I think people want numbers to validate what they think. So if you're right, talking exactly. to the guy in the barbershop, oh, I remember Charles Barkley. They told him uh, a couple of seasons back that Houston's defense was top 10 in the league by defensive efficiency. But because their pace was so high, they were allowing like 100 points very frequently. And I remember Barkley yelling, like, they're not a good defensive team. They're allowing 100 points. And like, I think it was Ernie or Kenny, just like saying, but the graphic defensive efficiency is this. And he's like, I don't care about that. Like, I think some right. people are just like, if something There's- doesn't make sense to them, they're not willing to concede that their eyes are wrong. Well, and it's also challenging. Knowledge. It's also challenging your worldview, right? Because if you're if you're Charles Barkley, you grew up thinking, well, if you gave up a hundred points, you had a bad defensive day, and that's like a measurement that people would use. And to get people to, to understand, no, 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 but number of possessions in a game, like it, it, to me, like the best way to explain it would be like on a per possession basis, like. Every time you're on defense, this is what you give up, and this is where they rank in the league. But for whatever reason, like just the 48 minutes in front of you is good enough to think, okay, th- th- this is what happened in the game. It's not this other abstract statistic that I now ha- that I now have to learn. Like to me, it's the learning and the challenging of what you already think. I think it's been a lot easier for us as young people because we kind of grew up with this ability yeah. to know this information, whereas you didn't spend 20 years thinking one thing and then have some other number, which, you know, number in sports is a pejorative in some ways, where it's all it's the dorks trying to take over, whereas I, I think we kind of have taken in this information. You know, it's, you mentioned an example of, like, that being challenged. I remember uh, Jeff Van Gundy, was on with Zach Lowe, and they were talking about the Eastern Conference All-Stars this year. And they were saying that, you know, Jeff Van Gundy was saying, Joel Embiid cannot be an All-Star because he doesn't play for a winning team. Like, he has this very, you know, uh, hard, fast rule, if you don't play for a winning team, you aren't an All-Star. And so Zach Lowe read him the on-off statistics. You know, when Joel Embiid was on the floor, the Sixers are plus six. And when Joel Embiid is off the floor, the Sixers are minus 270. And even <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy, statistically obtuse, went, oh, yeah, I guess Joel Embiid's an all-star then. <laughs> because, like, it, it, that also makes sense. Like, the, like, if you just sort of phrase it in those kinds of ways where it's like, well, this is what happens on the court. This is what happens off the court. You can measure a player's value that way. That's why Statistically guys, obtuse? That's a good one. Yeah, that's well, a great one. Yeah, I, I, I like I, ever since I saw Shawshank Redemption, I use obtuse a lot. Word I like ben obtuse. Dossett, our favorite Utah <laughs> writer. <laughs> that guy has like half of he Twitter muted after that day. 
What, oh, oh, what what happened? I, I forget. I remember that very vaguely. What what was oh the uh, what was the story with that? This is my favorite. I think we've told this like twice on the pod, and I don't care because I love it. Uh, I think his name's Ben Dossett, right, Brian? Whatever. Some yeah, guy ben writing Utah, some Utah writer, posted some Rudy Gobert stats for the season, and uh, mm-hmm. our writer Christian Hernandez quote tweeted it with Hassan's numbers that were very comparable. So he p quote tweets the the Hassan yeah. stats to juxtapose the Gobert stats. And the, the Dossett guy gets mad and says, Heat fans are being obtuse. Like, why do you have to compare? Like, I'm just talking about Rudy Gobert. And they call the, a psychopath. Yeah, he called him a psychopath. Like, we were like, what is wrong? So, obviously, he Twitter takes the arms. Like, anything. Because yeah. we just, we want to yeah. fight. I, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that before. Well, yeah. Well, you turned out to be right. How does that feel? It turned out to be right about what? About Dwayne. Oh, and no, no to <laughs> me, the one, the one I remember the most... Well, and I, I don't, was I right about Dwayne? I don't know. Um, well, but, that uh, season you were wrong, but this season you're right. Yeah. Well, that play, like, I, I've now kind of changed my thing. And we can get into this later more, like, actually thinking about playoff basketball in different terms. I used to not do that. And and I, I, I for whatever reason, this year it kind of dawned on me. But the one where I received it the most was, I remember with Whiteside, I made a joke after a game that the Heat lost, but Whiteside had 22-17. and 17. And I joked that uh, that Whiteside was happy, even though the Heat lost in the game. And Eric Reed, the Heat's TV announcer, got mad at me and was saying, "Why would you accuse him of something like that?" And like, you know, kind of, you know, got, you know, got strident with me. And all of a sudden, like, on descended, like, all of you know, Heat Twitter, how oh, dare you, critic? And like, it was, I, I was just bombarded with, "How could you say Hassan was stat chasing?" When I got to be honest with you, Giancarlo, I, I went to a couple of games this year. <laughs> And on like at least three occasions in every game that I went to, he's wrestling with a teammate for a rebound, so it counts for him. But like, like there's no question he stats. Of pads. course. Um, but yeah, it it happens frequently, so it's it's kind of unfair to do that to Hassan. But it's still funny how defensive Eric Reed gets. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and I understand it, right? Like in no, a way, because I, I, yeah, and in I, it also kind of shines in awards time. Like I remember, I saw like uh, I saw some of the the. The Heat people, you know, campaigning for Hassan to be third-team All-NBA center. Like, I, I understand, like, in, in as part of that position, you have to kind of, you know, take up the causes of the team and say, you know, and, and also, you know more, right? Because you're, you know, you're on the team flights yeah. or whatever, and you're, you're with the team every day, so it makes sense. Um, which, by the way, is why I think, uh, are, are you ready for this hot take? I think um, NBA and local announcers... First off, I don't think there should be local announcers in any sport. Whoa. I think I think all of the announcers should be hired by the NBA and sent to every team. And every year, you switch teams that you cover. So, like, the NBA hires a stable of 30 announcers, uh, 30 play-by-play people, 30 analysts, and 30 sideline reporters. And every year, they change the team that they cover. Because, because like, I, I don't think, like, getting a slanted version of a broadcast should exist. I just, and and that, that's just my own personal opinion. I don't like it. Like as a as a viewer, I don't like it. Like here's the Heat's guys and or, or here and I and by the way, the Heat to me are like and and I notice this more because I I worked at CBS at nights and so we get the feeds from all around the country, right? And like San Antonio or like even like gigantic homers like Tony Fiorentino to his credit will like say when the referees are right against the heat 
Like he'll say, oh, that, that, that's a good call by the referee. You know, uh, James Johnson clearly fouled him. And that's not something you'd hear on a lot of broadcasts. But I just don't think like the concept in general should exist. I don't know because while I do agree with you that you want the most objective broadcast possible, when the guys are with the team all year and when they're with the team for extended periods of time, they have an understanding of what they're dealing with, right? So, like, when we go to when a heat game goes to, like, Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy, right? They don't, like, they're surprised by James Johnson while Eric Reed and right. Tony aren't, right? Because they, they mm-hmm. kind of understand. and They know the intimate details of exact, the team. Exactly, because they cover them every day. and they, they right. So, Hassan, Eric, and Tony are more qualified than anyone to, to make a comment of, Hassan wouldn't have done that before or point out things like mm-hmm. if Hassan sets a good pick, they go out of their way to point it out because we as a viewer mm-hmm. know Hassan always doesn't did not set the best screens. So but what, but what I'm saying is, is like all year to me, to me, like you can have the same crew call the team for all year, but then next year they do the Phoenix Suns games like and, and it's like on a rotation where every year you change the team that you cover because like. It's it's sort of like beat writing, right? Like like you cover the team for the Miami Herald, like you fo- you follow them around all year, but you're not necessarily part of the team. Brian, do you like that idea? I feel like I shouldn't comment on this part. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is probably <laughs> the one I asked you the worst question. <laughs> oh man, poor Brian. Poor that was, Brian. That was genuinely an. I want to keep myself in arm's length from this. Uh, is this uh is is this is this being taken out in post? No, of course no, not. Fine. <laughs> Chris, you know, you know we run with everything. It's very interesting. Okay, all right, all right, I just enough. don't have an opinion about it. You want to talk about culture, though? <laughs> no, I no, I don't want to talk about Why culture. Why not? Oh, do you know okay. how the heat? Do you know how the heat shafted us with culture, Chris? What? So, oh, oh, did they do copyright infringement? Yeah, dude. And, but it oh, wasn't even fantastic. Copy, it wasn't even copyright. Like we had the shirt up for like two, like a week, and it's a listen. The heat beat culture shirt is a limited edition. Because I think only five people have it. And, um, yeah, like the second day, it got taken down for copyright infringement. And we checked to make sure that there wasn't a copyright on culture. And I still trademark, think. Trademark. Trademark. I'm sorry. There's still not a trademark. Or at least there wasn't after. Um, still has not a trademark. There still doesn't have a trademark. So somebody filed a claim just to release their shirt. Did you did, did you use their logo? No. Or did you just use we the word culture? We used our logo. We used our logo. We, oh. we didn't even write Miami Heat. We wrote MHB, Miami Heat Beat. And okay. we had like a little design and then we had culture. So how so how does that happen then? I don't know, but we didn't want to pick a fight with them. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I guess you can you pick your battles the there. Corporate I mean, machine what, wins. like once it once something becomes said enough, it'll it will become a t-shirt. Well, we want to make a culture shirt, but we want to we want to like capitalize the C U L T in culture, so we spell cult. That is that is what it is. It's a it's a cult of culture, both both among the team and the fans. We sound like Heat fans sound like a cult when they talk about the culture stuff. It's kind of I know, but but that but that's why it makes me crazy. That that that's why like I I don't like it because you're kind of mythologizing and deifying a thing that's like it's a basketball team they play basketball and sure they're they're overachievers no question they're overachievers are they fun to watch without question but it doesn't need to be like some bigger than than life force the culture like the culture if you think about it has failed a lot of players including on this heat team like Derek Williams was cut midway through the season 
why why didn't the culture affect him? Because he wasn't down like, with the why, culture. Like why why wasn't he infected with the culture? Why wasn't Greg Oden infected with the culture? Eddie like Curry. It, right, Eddie Curry. I'm like Curry. any number of players have come and gone. Uh, I mean, how, how many different players did they try on the 2010-11 team that got to play with LeBron James and still weren't any good? Did Carlos Arroyo and Mike Bitt and, <laughs> and, and like and Zetrunas Sokowskis and and everyone that played on that team. Why weren't they infected with culture? Like to me, yes. Did James Johnson overachieve? Without question. Did Tyler Johnson overachieve? Your boy Tyler Johnson? Without question. Like to me. Yes, all of that happened, but it doesn't necessarily like mean that it's that it's foolproof or that it's distinctly better than other teams in the NBA. Like, I, I, have, I, I, I have get a counter I, to that, and while I agree okay. with you that sometimes people take it to a level that I think is unreasonable, but I think what what they mean by culture and what people talking about it mean, like they have a system in place where they want guys to be as fit as they can and not saying that they're the only team in the league that does that right but they have a they have clear if hierarchy proof. of power they have very good structure because the same people have been there forever and i think as you start adding things you whittle down the teams that have this this rigid structure that has people that have been there for a while I don't think I think most people in that organization with any meaningful position knows that they're not doing it for their job, right? So they can do it freely and safely. Players do tend to get very fit here. There is very good coaching and the general manager does a pretty good job of surrounding the team with what they need when they need it, right? So LeBron's here, he found shooters and defenders. And when they don't have a lot of cap space, he gets minimum guys, and they kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what works. But I think I, it's... I, I, I think I think you I think you hit on the most important point on all of it actually, and it's actually something I never considered before: job security. Everyone has job security, right? It, it it is like almost the most essential part of this because if you think about it, like the whole concept of right of coaching LeBron James, right? It was actually one of the uh, one of the interesting parts of Woj's podcast with Spo. When he was saying, when when Spo, Spo was talking about how he sat down for lunch one day with LeBron James and said, do you want to be coached? And he said, yes. And Spo's follow-up was, how? How do you want to be coached? And the only way that you can really get at LeBron, or, or even do like, for example, what Popovich did the other night to Pau Gasol, who you know m- might have taken less money to go to San Antonio and on national television is getting reamed out by Greg Popovich. Like the only way that you can do that is if you know that the owner is on the side of management, the coach, more than even the player. Like if if you had said like who does Mickey Harrison have the back of more, Pat Riley or LeBron James, he'd say Pat Riley, and that is is in a way how you build a a real lasting organizational culture and it's the same thing with belichick in new england and even to a certain extent like a, a guy like mike Tomlin, yeah or, or, or right san antonio or you think of like mike you know Tomlin's mike tomlin in, in pittsburgh because they don't fire coaches they just don't as an organization they don't fire coaches and you can have a down year and you'll be fine and we can let you know whatever random defensive player go and we'll still be fine like in a way the only way to build job secure uh, to build culture is with job security and that's what the heat have and in a way what makes them unique because so many other coaches get fired after you see you know Derek Fisher get fired after a year and like for example this year the Knicks not respecting Jeff Hornacek because 
they just, you know, they, they know, all right, if we're not going to run the triangle and if, if we don't, and if we don't do it, then Jeff Hornacek will get fired. And the next guy will come in. Like in a way that is how you build something bigger is if the front office people prove to be bigger than the players, which can hurt you at times when LeBron James goes and leaves because he doesn't want that to be the case. Um, but it does allow you to build something sustainable. Yeah, but Chris, like also the people doing these jobs are competent. Like Eric Spolster is not right. Jeff exactly. Hornacek, Pat Riley is not Phil Jackson. Andy Ellisberg is a good general manager. He's great with numbers. Like you have these people. The, Do- the Dolphins have tried to build a culture. They just have never picked the right people to do it. And that's because... the thing. And they, they keep doing it in parts, right? So like they'll, right. they'll keep the coach, but keep the old general manager. Then they keep the general manager and bring another guy in. And everyone there is, I, I don't want to say scared for, I don't think Adam Gase is scared for his job, but like, they have a history of people either coaching or general managering for their job, and mm-hmm. Andy Ellisberg knows that no one's going to take his job. So right, and Pat, so like they, he and Andy, Pat and Andy, can try things like sign James Johnson. They don't have to do a panic move like give Jokey money to get people. You know what I mean? Right. Like so, that and, and like, the and liberty. they don't, they don't feel like, and and this is something that I don't think we take into consideration enough when it comes to basketball or even personnel moves regardless of sport, which is the need to fulfill the business side of whatever it is you're doing, right? So, for example, the Heat last year, as a purely business move, giving Dwayne Wade all of the money makes all of the sense because last year, the attendance, while they did technically sell out every game, you can tell it changed. Right, you can tell the arena was a little thinner, the crowd wasn't as loud, and in a way, that wouldn't have happened if Dwayne Wade does not leave. It wouldn't have happened. And so Mickey Arison or any or another owner could have said, "No, we're keeping Dwayne Wade regardless." Jim or right, yeah, you do what the Lakers did with Kobe and say, "You're keeping him. We're keeping him because we have to fulfill our obligations to our cable network. We have to sell tickets and we have to maintain relevancy." And the fact that the Heat don't feel any of those pressures is how you're allowed to make decisions like letting Dwayne Wade go to Chicago. Whether you think it for basketball reasons to be the right thing or not, at the very least, they have the freedom to do it. Did you see the Instagram post that Dwayne put up the other day? The, oh, the one of him returning yeah, to Miami with, uh, with the luxury cars? He, with the luxury cars? He used the word coming home. Yeah. Very, well. like, I don't know the the conversation's kind of difficult because I'm not even talking about what he wants, Mm -hmm. what the organization would want. Right. Because at this point, (laughs) like I don't, and I I think anyone who listens to the show or follows me on Twitter knows how I feel about Dwayne and how I still feel about Dwayne. And it's, and yeah, and it makes me sick and and it's very sad. I know. I know. It's really sappy. And I write very sad. sad. Yeah. I'm king. But would the team take him? Like, if he wants to come back uh, okay. at a deal that's somewhat reasonable. Here, here's, here's why I would say no. To me, all the hard parts of branching or sort of moving on from your team legend that has perhaps gone a bit past what he used to be, you did it already. And here's to me the amazing part, right, is that so all summer long and at the start of the season when the Heat started poorly, the conversation was like, did Dwayne Wade win the exchange? Like, did he prove to be the more valuable part of this exchange? And 
you sort of had to deal with the political ramifications of perhaps, despite Pat Riley will always forever be golden by virtue of having brought three titles to Miami, like perhaps his approval rating wasn't as high. If you think about it, if you think of it in like political terms, it, it wasn't as high as what it once was. There was some kind of sourness around the organization at Management 11. Management th- stock was as low as it's ever been. Right. But then you go 30 and 11. You have the great, the great end to the season. You have this Wright Thompson article come out about Riley, and you, get, you kind of get to relive like what a magician he is and what he does. Deion Waiters. Like, right. Deion Waiters happens. James Johnson happens. All these and, young guys develop. You didn't even mention the Bosch fiasco. Right. Like, you've moved on from all the difficult stuff. All the difficult stuff is behind you of all, you know, trying to figure out who your number one guy is supposed to be, trying to figure out all the difficulties in figuring, you know, in, in your post Dwayne Wade era. You did it in a year. You accomplished everything that you needed to do. And now you can start to think for your future in a way. Does he come back into the team and say, all right, I'm, you know, I'll adjust to your style of play or I'll adjust to what you're doing? No would be my guess. My guess would be like it's the same as it ever was. He still gets the ball at the end of the game. The offense is still is is run on his terms. Like to me, you've done all the difficult parts of separating from a superstar past his prime. Why would you, in a way, invite some of those difficulties back? The, well, the reason why I ask, and the reason why I think the conversation is so interesting, because in the Wright Thompson piece, Riley, like he continually, and he said throughout. The, like since Dwayne left, that he probably would have done things differently. And in the Wright Thompson article, he always said, I, "I don't, I don't think so. I don't I, think so." I mean, that's what he says publicly. Now, right. that's the other thing. It's what he says publicly versus what he feels. Because at the end of the day, Riley's a salesperson. But you know, a lot of times we say bleep because we know we're never gonna have to face that bleep. Right. So now Riley might be confronted with that bleep. Hmm. Agreed. Well, I, I guess the other thing, too, that you have to consider is that one day they're going to have a ceremony that honors Dwayne Wade and raises his number to the Raptors, and they put a statue outside of the arena in honor of him. So do you need to be talking in, you know, a year after you've let your all-time franchise player go, you're still saying negative things about him in public? I still would imagine he harbors very private thoughts about the way that that all went down and the talk-to-my-agent stuff. Like, to me, he does have to present a public face on this one still. I don't know if he still has to on LeBron because I'm, I will imagine they'll, they'll raise his number to the rafters one day, but that, that relationship isn't so personal. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was four years and it was championships, but it wasn't quite the we saw you grow, you've been with us the entire time, and you're, you're kind of one of the few NBA players that actually got to live out that life. Like To me, those are drastically different situations, but... In a way, I, I, I just I don't see how a team that now has the ability to look towards their future with, you know, a lottery pick this year, with the ability, you know, to get some more cap space if they let go of Bosch, with some young players developing, why would you then kind of reverse course and do something different and perhaps invite some of like not the basketball issues, but like the political issues of your club legend playing for you again, why would you invite that back? Like after after you've done all the difficult parts of you know, taking the hit and ticket you're sales. Over the and you're not crying. You're, right, you're, you're old already. You're not crying anymore. You're not yeah. drinking too much anymore. You're going back to the gym. You feel good. And yes. then they show up in your life again. And then what do you right, do? Right, exactly. Like, you've, you've gotten over the emotional heartache. Like, yeah, like, you know, the ex-girlfriend shows up in your life and maybe you think, oh, you know, it was so good that we should give it a go. But in a way, 
it ended for a reason. And so now let's kind of let's live separate lives and call it a life. It's like, you know, when you get back in a relationship and your partner is doing all the things that they used to do to annoy you. Right. So, right. So then, exactly. you know, like once Dwayne is the, the chucking first... up bad shots at the end of fourth quarters and you're like, oh, why did I get back? The, you know, the, the first time he like, you know, is yelling at a referee and not getting back on defense. <laughs> Uh, again with this that'll be cute the first time though it'll be right. oh right. yeah i miss this again. Oh, game man. 50 against the hornets you know you're uh, not again you're you're 24 and 26 <laughs> and you need a big win on the road oh, my and there's Dwayne wade ambling back from uh, another from a from a missed layup and a non-call uh, middle of the west coast trip everybody's groggy yeah. you're mad I, I would say the circus trip, but RIP circus trip. Finally, that that that, that ended Chris Bosh's career. That's a good point. Twice, twice. Yeah, this damn circus. That damn circus, man. Nobody asked so, for so, it. So 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 what? Do like do we now get home games in January now? I know. Or or, or do they fill it with something else? But like the do they have like? Nice. Right. Exactly. Well, I feel like January. Like if I was a you know a, a Minnesota Timberwolf. And be like, oh man, we can't play. We can't play road games in January in Miami because of the circus. That stinks. Now we're happy, but not, Pitbull might have like a week long concert or something. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe you have like a like, like this. <laughs> and I hate Pit. Hey, I hate. I hate Pitbull with the heat of a thousand suns. Why? But um, well, first off, okay, there's a number of reasons. But the number one. <laughs> reason, <laughs> the, a, the, I have a list, the, but at the, the top number of it. <laughs> Oh, no, I've thought a lot about this. I might write a <laughs> dissertation at some point. Um, the number one reason would be, particularly of late, is that he find. I don't know if... I, not, I, I would like to know the answer to these questions. Number one, does, does he produce the music, slash does he identify the music that will occur over these songs? Number two, does he find the featured singers? Because... The featured singers on his songs have become the star of his songs. Like, for example, this the, the song Greenlight. I, I I believe the the artist that does like the the main chorus is, is this guy called Lunch Money. Right. Like to me, Timber is a great example. Like Kesha is the star of that song. There are more talented singers on his own songs than him, and then he comes on, and it's always the same verse about trying to sexually please a woman. Like, it's the same verse. You've heard it 10,000 times on 10,000 different songs. Like, can you come up with a different topic to sing about? A different a way to approach it even. Like, it's the same song, the same lyrics. You've heard them 10,000 times. Can you do something unique, Pitbull? That's all I ask. What is Pitbull's target audience? Because I feel like millennials all hate him. I feel like it's your parents trying to be cool. I feel like well, that's that, 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 is a, that, that is a good point. That is a good point. I don't know if all millennials hate him. I feel like there's a new market for ironically liking things that you know are bad. Oh, my God. That's such like, a great point. Yes. And I, and I feel like Pitbull is like the number one thing in that area. Chris, I have not heard. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That is There is yeah. indeed a new market for that. Yeah. Like there's a market for like movies that are, that are so bad they're good yeah. for – for like uh, social media it. jokes, like for example, like uh, like the new pun market, right? Like those are like is, some of them are clever, but some of them are so bad that they're good, Sharpedo. right? Like Greg Cody on the Levitard show, uh, you know, like th- things like that, things that are things that are like intention, not intentionally bad, but like are bad but are turned to be good. Sharknado. And- Sharknado. Right, exactly. Right, Sharknado is a perfect example. Sharknado goes viral. Everyone's talking about Sharknado, but it's it's horrific. Chris, but what's more fun than live tweeting Sharknado? 
Oh, it's amazing. Hey, come on. It's the best. It's absolutely like the last, I think for the second and the third one, I wasn't home <laughs> to watch it on like on first time of asking, but in a way it's it's like an award show. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, 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 an, like you have to watch an award show live or else why even bother? Like, I feel like I felt I, I have not seen the last two Sharknados because, well, if I wasn't home to watch it the first time with Twitter, then what's the point? Exactly. Like you when the celebrity Frankie cameo. What happened, Brian? You missed a Frankie Muniz one. Frankie Muniz was... Dude. He was on one of those? Yes. Okay, but Frankie Muniz took his role so damn seriously. Oh, like, Frankie Muniz that's felt so like this was his road back to stardom. Like, they cast <laughs> Frankie Muniz, and he, like, acted. He acted. That is so funny. It was so great. Oh, my God. Me to me the the peak Sharknado. I don't know if it was in the it was in the first one, right? Where he dives through the shark with the chainsaw, and like comes out the other side. I think that is. The and you first see like one, yes. him like breaking the flat. Like that is like the peak. Like when my Twitter feed was like, "Are you freaking kidding me they with this show?" They were in space last time, weren't they, Brian? Really? They're everywhere. They were in space. Right. I believe that that Sharknado went to space because every that's where he dies. Every Spoiler. movie franchise was in space. What? Isn't Fast and Furious going to space too? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. They need I think to, so. They need to stop. I read a report. I, I uh, to me, that's that's the one. Well, now people have told me that like post Tokyo Drift, the movies are actually okay. No. Like like the four through seven they lie. or four through eight, I guess right now. But like to me, the fact that I, it, th- this will just continue in perpetuity, right? Yes. Yeah. For sure. And 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 to me. The thing that's crazy is, right? So I I I got into an argument with a coworker about this the other day, where like, uh, where they were talking about Game of Thrones, and uh, and how like they're gonna start doing spinoffs of Game of Thrones, like of just individual characters, and then you know like it's just gonna be Game of Thrones, and it's basically all a cash grab, right? Yeah. And to me, it's like it's one of those things. It's one of those things, right? Where like people get mad at ESPN for talking about Tim Tebow all all day long. Even though I would presume when they talk about Tim Tebow all day long, their ratings go up. Like, I wonder when, what, what is like the line of demarcation of like when we'll get exhausted of Fast and Furious movies? Not just as a country, but like as a as a globe, as a species, <laughs> right? As a globe, because because like I remember reading opening weekend of the Fast Eight uh, that more people watched it in like like more people watched it in China than they did in the United States like, by dollar amount because that's a novelty overseas like even if you know fam my family in Colombia or Venezuela like that's yeah, a novelty I saw I saw like like Colombia was like number uh, it was like number 5 all about in the that world, watching and watching the fast movies all right so here in the United States uh, I I'm, I'm looking this up now the domestic total is 208 million the China total is 383 million like that's ridiculous. Why? I, why? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like my mom loves either. those movies, and I go, "Mom, yeah. why?" She's like, yeah. "They're fun," and I was like, "No, they're not. They're bad." Yeah, one point one six five billion worldwide so far. When I, you movie. know, back to your Game of Thrones point. Like when I when I heard that originally, I had the same reaction you did. I recoiled. I was like, "Oh, why? Just let it go away." And I, right. I always have that reaction, but some like I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know. But I do Neither think do I. I think sometimes series deserve a spinoff to kind of fill in holes, maybe post canon, maybe prequels, maybe in between. Like I do think sometimes, sometimes it's clearly a cash grab, but sometimes it works. You know what I mean? 
Better like, Call people, Saul is like a yeah. People say that about. I was just I was going to bring up that example of Better Call Saul. I only know anime, so that's all I have. But yeah, that's a good example, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you literally you literally don't watch any serialized television uh, with like humans. Oh, well, I used to really love Twenty Four, and then that ended. Oh, well, I, I don't, I'm not watching the new Twenty Four because Jack Bauer's okay. not in it, so it's not Twenty Four. Okay. I am really behind in New Girl and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I think that's about it. If they didn't mean a uh, like, because I know you used to watch How Much Mutter. If they made a spinoff of that show, would you no, watch it? I would it? not watch it because they don't need it. Like, what would they make the spinoff of? The kids, I don't know. That's right, that'd, and like, that'd be terrible. Like, 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 like when, once you get to seven seasons of something, like you're done. It's over. <clears throat> you, like, you don't have to do anymore. That's my point of like, and I think that's my main gripe with American television is that they don't know when to stop. Like, well, well, the, the well, when they stop is when they stop making money. I know, but like that is so detrimental to art because you drag out a story that doesn't need to, like. How I Met Your Mother is a good example. It did not need to be that long. No, it didn't. It did. They, you they, could have you, you, you could stop at season six, and that's it. Ex- like to even me, that is long. But you know what I mean. Agreed. But like to me, no show should lo- should last longer than six seasons. And like even Chris, like me, even a show like the even like a show like The Simpsons where like. Because they're so creative and they bring in new people every year, they can kind of carry on. But like, I mean, is anyone watching Simpsons season twenty two? Like, have good ideas for that long with your world? Like, no, that's, you can't. that's like, and you say six seasons, Chris. I'm used to shows that are two to three seasons. Like, well, that, well, the, the crazy thing about shows that get exported from England, it's like there's six episodes and they're two seasons. Yeah, and like, and, and that's it. Sherlock, yeah. Right, or or even like like the original Office is on uh, is on Netflix. Wait, what the original? And... We don't have the original Office. No, we copied no. that. Yeah, no, it's an English show with Ricky Gervais. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? The more you know, yeah, no, I just thought wow. the Office was with. Uh, I, I, I I thought that was common knowledge. Steve no, 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 the, the yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, the the original one is uh, Ricky Gervais oh, in England. Cool, I didn't and know. it's like it's like twelve total episodes. It's crazy, and well, like, and here the Office got popular. and They made like seven seasons of it. Like anime typically runs. 24 episodes and 22 minutes each episode so like for me that is a good complete enclosed story so like when yeah, i see it's, it's like digestible yeah game of thrones i can't watch it because it's like six seasons and it's like an hour each episode and i'm like that's too long can we talk about your anime judgment for a moment sure yeah what about it how like like how how tired are you of like a lack of cultural understanding with your anime things um and and also my my follow up would be because like I have a lot of things like this in my life where I'm so dorky about something, but I can't talk about it with anyone. Like, have you found people not just online but in life that you can share your dorkitude with? Well, to answer your second question first, I got I started an anime Twitter account and I made my own friends over there. Okay, and, uh, that's started, good. And I started a YouTube channel because I needed to express myself creatively. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Fantastic. But no, but my friends that I grew up with, you know, we like basketball and anime, so I, you know, I get best of both worlds. So and my nice, sister, there my you sister go. as well. To answer so, your so first it... question, I think it's funny. Like when people make the, I, I think um, uh, Heat Boner uh, made a joke the other day. That there was a blow up doll, somebody buying a ring for Priapism. a blow up doll. He pre- what, what's it? What's his new name? Is it Priapism? Yes, which I just learned yeah. what that meant the other day. Yeah, tremendous. <laughs> um, yes, this is amazing. Um. And he made a joke that that was me. And I think that's funny. But, like, I yeah. I do feel like it's such an underappreciated medium because it is, like, it does have paramount storytelling 
just what you think what people think it is it's tentacles and yelling and fighting which is not what right. it is so i kind of get it because it's it's a little weird and some sometimes it's a little weird but sometimes it's incredible right and it's it's like one of those things and i kind of run into this all the time because i don't necessarily i don't start with a objection or a sort of a bias against things that are foreign in in, in really any capacity and I, like that is like the starting point on anime, right? So it's it's cartoons that are not of this country. Like, what is this? And so I think it's mostly that it's cartoons. I don't think the of this country matters as much as it's just cartoons. And when people I, I see, think it does. I think when people see cartoons that are not comedy, I think that it's like for like adults, like Family Guy, Simpsons, American Dad. Like they see that and automatically they think, why would but you I, not make that? Do, live do you action? do you think do you think like the original? Uh, like the first year that The Simpsons came out and became popular, there was some objection to it because it was animated. I don't know. That's a good question, and I I, I would think so. Yeah, I guess I guess so. But The Simpsons made it very abundantly clear from the jump that it was marketed yeah. to adults. And actually, The Simpsons put Fox on the map. The Simpsons yeah. made Fox. The, Sim- the, the Simpsons and the NFL. Yeah, that's what the reason why Fox is the company that it is today is because of The Simpsons and the NFL primarily the simpsons and its popularity from the start so yeah. I, don't, I don't really know how much resistance they got but i get it like on the onset you look at and the stuff and anime is in itself a meme and the things that go viral are the weird things because mm-hmm. it's quirky it's supposed to be quirky but it's right. also not quirky you know some people take it like Alf was making fun of me a couple shows ago when I'm arguing about directory di- directing an anime. He's like, "What directing is there?" And I'm like, "This is such well, a nuanced ridiculous. conversation." Well, that's ridiculous. There that's is directing. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just a ridiculous argument to make. What Alf or mine? No, Alf. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Like, well, and, and this is like I something I get into when I when I introduce like sporting concepts uh, into into American sport, like from from abroad into American sports, like. Uh, like th- like this week, like a major talking point in baseball is the idea of uh, of ties being incorporated into sports. What? I think basketball. I I think basketball could just as easily incorporate ties into their sport. Like if a game is you know after forty eight minutes it's tied, then game's tied. That's Chris, it. We're done. And you and I both like soccer. Right. Do exactly. You like, do you like? I, I I understand why there are ties. I don't necessarily like them. But I don't object to them. Like I don't to either. me, like 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 to me. I've kind of come to terms with by watching soccer a lot. Like, because I know, because if you support a team, then you kind of know how a game is supposed to go. So, like, I, I, watch, I watch Man City. They're my team. And they played against Middlesbrough two weeks ago. And, and uh, no, I, I went to go see them in person. So, I, that's, oh. that's, that's, that, that's, that's my cheat code. Um, and, and, it, and, by the way, if you're picking a soccer team, why not bandwagon? Like, if you're, if you're in Europe and you have no allegiance to any team... Why wouldn't you have, if you're like becoming an NBA fan in 2012? Why wouldn't you have picked Miami? Of course no, you would have. I, I don't because it's fun. I don't disagree because I did the same with tennis, so I, I can't make fun of you. Oh. Right, yeah. but um, so so anyway, so like I was watching, I was watching the game, and I knew like, okay, this game is a draw. Like just the way that the game played out, and if there was another goal, it would it, it would have felt to me like harsh on either team that that that's how the game ended, but. Like to me, I've just like come to terms with like a tie is an outcome. Like, if if teams are even on the day, that's an outcome. Like, it because is. we've because we've set time limits on these sports, be it nine innings or sixty minutes or forty eight minutes or whatever. Like, it like if after forty eight minutes the game is ended, then the game has ended. 
And, and like, I've kind of come to terms with the idea that, yes, it is an outcome that's acceptable. But I don't feel like if my team's playing – and, like, for example, I think the most recent example, the, U, the U.S. men's national team playing a qualifier in Panama. We know that yeah. a tie is fine there, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean it felt good. No, but but I also think, like, the tie – like, a tie was a fair result in that game. Yeah, no, like, but, like, you, like think, if you – Like, if you watch a game, reasonable. like, yeah. the game should have ended in a tie. Yeah, but it doesn't make me feel good. No, no, it does not. But, I mean, when your team loses, it doesn't make you feel good. Like Oh, uh, a, a Portugal, United States. Um, oh, oh my I God. Was at, I, I, like, I was at Fado's. Were you there? No, I was not. Oh, I was at home. Chris, that was... I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I can be around people during World Cup, World Cup games. No, that was fun, like, man. That was the that, most that, fun that's I've still, ever had watching sports. That's yeah. still, like, that's, like, there are a few things that give me sporting angst. Like, I remember... The legitimate sporting angst I felt like ahead of Game Six in Boston, like I was ill that day because I was so nervous. You know, I, like I'm like alone that I didn't feel the gravity of that game. Oh no, I, I I remember I worked that morning, and I was exhausted. I went home, I went to bed, and I woke up five minutes before tip off. <laughs> like and 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 because otherwise otherwise I I couldn't have dealt with like how. And I remember even after, like, LeBron clearly demonstrated in the first quarter, like, we're not losing tonight. Like, I was still terrified of that game. Like, I was still like, all right, you know, when, when's, the, when's the comeback coming? Like, the entire time I was mortified. But, like, ahead of the opening game of the, of the World Cup, the United States playing Ghana, like, I was, I was physically ill that day. Like, my stomach physically was hurting. Physically ill? Physically ill, yeah. And then they scored in 32 seconds, and I was fine. But then Ghana scored but, like. Again. Yeah, well, yeah, and then John Brooks scored again. But yeah. like, I but I remember like I remember how crestfallen. I think even more than the Wando not scoring against Belgium. Like I think that that uh, that goal from from Ronaldo's cross against Portugal, just because of like how much enthusiasm there would have been for two World Cup wins that was the to most start the tournament. Goal I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Easy. Wait, well, well, the, the, the Brazil either, one? Either, no, the... The the, uh, the, the Portugal one. The, yeah, Portugal, the one. Portugal one. It's either that one or the goal um, the goal that Ghana scored to put them up in the 2010 World Cup. Oh, yeah. But see, but that's another one where, like, I kind of... you Like, you know, right, just based off of watching your team play, like, whether or not they should win or lose today. Be- no, Chris, they and, were better than that. They were better than Ghana. I'm sorry. No. On that day? Yeah, they were better. I'm sorry. You think so? Yeah. I, I thought the entire time that Ghana was the team that felt more like scoring. That I think that was the best U.S. soccer team ever. You think so? Yeah, I think that's the best. I think team any ever. team that has Christian Pulisic on it now is, is by virtue of He's that, better He's so team. good! He's so good. I will, he's so good. I can't believe we're talking soccer in the show. I'm so happy. I love this. I love this. I know. Alf, Alf is probably seething. Yeah. Like, well, Alf maybe. maybe this, well, how about this? How about show up on time for the pod? And, yeah, and this Alf, won't happen. How about don't not go to a bar and have fun? Right. Instead, show up and do what we're supposed right. to do as That's we're right. contractually obligated by Almighty Baller. Hmm? Right, uh-huh. Brian, did you, say, did you say who when, when we referred to Christian Pulisic? Yes. Uh, that that's an insult. You need you need to get to know the greatest Amer- American soccer player who's ever lived. Who could we compare I mean, him to Don- in the NBA? Is soccer player? Say again. Lennon Donovan's not the greatest soccer player. No, no, Christian Pulisic is. Mm. He's eight. He's he's eighteen he's, years he's, old. He's eighteen years old. He's already the best soccer player that's ever lived. Linson, I, I hate the greatest soccer player. I hate that take, Chris. I hate it. And I don't you know, hate the take. I don't know if you're like I don't know if you're serious or not, but like I hate that take. No, no, he's he's the best American soccer player that's ever lived already. 
No, Chris. Because I don't necessarily do best based off of, based off of accomplishments. Like like this is also like a basketball thing, right? Where like well, people will say, well, Michael, you know, well, LeBron can't be better than Jordan because he hasn't won as many championships. Well, like so when dumb. I compare I when I compare best player, I don't do like resume accomplishment listing. I do like okay when they're at their best, when they display their best qualities. Who is the better player? Hold on, with Chris. and to me. When Landon Donovan was at his best, they gave Spain their only defeat in five years. Yeah, no, I I, like, I, I agree with you. You know what I, I mean? Know, like, no, I know, I understand, but but that that wasn't a tri- I don't think that game was a tribute to Landon Donovan. He was a like, major factor. And then the next game no. in Brazil, when they were up yeah. to zero, they were two 0 up at the half. Yeah, he was that's kind of like the low key like result in U.S. Oh history was. Getting to so a cup mad. final, getting to a cup final, and being two 0 up at the half. But it was funny that was still at a point where you were afraid enough of Brazil, so where it was like the whole time. Was it was so like so playing shook. in quicksand, where it's like, all right, this is gonna fall apart. That's when they were good. I got. Are you watching the Celtic uh, Wizards game? No, I'm watching the hockey game right now. What's going on in the uh, What's going on in the Celtics game? The uh, Wizards are getting demolished. Are they really? Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. You know what I've really liked? I like when Washington really plays up on the Thomas pick and roll. Like, it's at halftime now. I see you're changing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love when when the Wizards really push up on that pick and roll because it really forces Isaiah to either dump the ball really, really quick or it just gives Washington – like, they force Isaiah out of the play. Right. Well, and and did, didn't he like take like a series or a season low in shots in game three? I think so. Because yeah. they just kept they just kept forcing him to get rid of the ball. I was reading a, a, an article about like kind of the adjustments that they for that game is that, that series has been like the adjustment series, right? Because like they keep deploying new tactics and new lineups, and like each of them appears to have worked. So the series has swung like a million different ways. That's about been, the, six, best, seven, that's been the best series this postseason, I think. What? Uh, I I think Rocket Spurs is better just because it's probably it's featured like more closeness in games. No, I just because well, the two Washington games that were blowouts, one of them was interesting because they were fighting the whole damn time, right? And the second one, you don't trust Washington. No, because they're so bad on defense. So like you're watching to see the catastrophe. Like I think yeah, and to be honest, Chris, the other series that I think is the second best is was the Pacers Cavs series. Oh yeah, no, that, that that was a good series. All I thought those also games were good. Yeah, agreed, and and they were all close. And it's like, why I thought it's why I thought Toronto had a chance. Well, we all we all thought Toronto had a chance. Yeah, that well, was... I guess to me, like never one of the things that we always fail to remember when it comes to the Cavs and the playoffs is that they get vacations. Each of the last three years, they've gotten vacations. Do you like? If at any point of the season, an NBA team got eight days off. You'd be like, oh yeah, they're gonna come out like and be a lot fresher and better. Yeah, because they're playing garbage. Right. Like, well, uh, like, how is Toronto that bad? I just, I like, I still don't understand. Like, that's a math equation I don't get. I feel like, like you can't re- like that that offense that they run is so easy to yeah. defend. Like, if you're gonna sit there and right. watch film and you're gonna tell guys with with Cleveland had time to prepare because they had days off. If you sit right. there in a film room and say, "This is how we're gonna defend them," that's easy. Right, and they don't really have like a counterpunch of like they can go to like this sophisticated offense or run these sets or whatever. It's very basic. They but but anyway, have an to, but okay, coach. Right, he or, like help them. Maybe they have a good defensive coach or they have a good motivating coach, but certainly not a good strategically offensive coach. I think there um, are but different like, coaches for different things, right? Like, so if you right. have a young team, you'd want a certain type of coach. You might not want Phil Jackson coaching a bunch of young guys. You know what I mean? 
Like, right, I think it, like Scott like Scott Brooks is perfect for a young team. Yes, but we, as we've seen, Scott Brooks has limitations. Right, exactly. You know? Like and Dwayne his, Casey you know, has he, limitations. He doesn't have that offensive sophistication. Like I think Dwayne Casey would be perfect for like like if you know if Minnesota didn't have Tibbs, I'd say go get, get go get Dwayne Casey because you can grow with Dwayne Casey from here to here. But to get from here to here. You got to – I'm doing it with my hands, by the, the little, way, for yeah, the, the pod little, listeners. It's not a visual medium. Yeah, the, course, yeah. yeah right. I, I, I'm sorry. I've now gotten used to visual medium <laughs> again. But, um, but, uh, but like – Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm back to my audio roots. Um, but, but getting back to the, uh, a point I was making earlier about changing my mind about playoff series, I remember when I, when, when I worked with Chris Perkins at 790, he would always talk about the idea of players that win you best of sevens. And that always kind of rang like, like, like hollow like a cliche to me. But now that I've watched these playoffs – and I've seen Toronto fall apart. And I've seen, uh, you see, like, Utah. Like, yes, yes, they beat the Clippers, but they were ultimately kind of exposed. And, like, to me, like, I don't know if Gordon Hayward is one of those guys. Chris, because you saw Chris, at the end. It wasn't his fault. No, no, no. I, no, I, no, I understand. It's the Warriors. They're overwhelming. But I, I meant more like in the Clippers series, right? Do, did you not find it weird that Joe Johnson ran their end of game? Because I, I did. Because um, I'm watching, I'm watching Utah, and I'm waiting for Gordon, for Gordon Hayward to take over, for Gordon Hayward to run a set, and it was Joe Johnson. Like, like, yes, yes, he's ISO Joe, and yes, he, you know, he he probably hurts you in the regular season doing that kind of stuff. In that series, though, because Joe Johnson was playing against guards, as in um, JJ Redick and Jamal Crawford, that. But Gordon, but Gordon Hayward could have just as easily drawn those same matchups. But Joe Johnson's so much, and number one, Joe had it going. Right? No, agreed. When Joe has it going and you have two pretty awful defenders defending you, and yeah. at the end of games, if you're going to run ISO anyway, might as well do mm-hmm. it. With, like, I, I don't look at that as a pejorative to Gordon Hayward when if we saw in the next series, he, dude, he was awesome. Like, against, right. I mean, he's, been, he's incredible. No, no, no. He, and, and he was even good within games in that Clipper series where I'm watching him like, yeah, he was good for three quarters, but like, okay, so there are two Heat players that I'll use in the, as, as an example for this. The first is Goran Dragic. I love Goran Dragic as a player. I love his style. I love what he does. And just in general, who Goran Dragic represents. But at the end of games, he's go, he goes and stands in the corner. And even, even at the end of this season, in games that they had to win, like in key late-game possessions, like the ball was in Tyler Johnson's hands before it was in Goran Dragic's hands. And I found that weird. Like, while th- that is kind of a very old-school NBA like way to analyze the game, like... I, you just kind of see it more, or at least I've I've started to notice more and more like how much that matters. And then the other example I'll use that's like an example of playoff basketball is Justice Winslow. Like the reason why Justice Winslow is ultimately fatally flawed as a basketball player is that when you get in a playoff series, how often do you see teams picking on the worst, or, or at least a specific lack of a skill, Tony right? Right, Tony Allen, or like even you, you mentioned the Celtics. You mentioned the Celtics series and Game Four. They just said every time Isaiah Thomas is being hidden on someone who's bigger than him, we're just going to go at him. Like, like w- regardless of side of the floor, they're going to use the skill that you have the least against you. So, do you have players that can't be picked on regardless of situations? And if you're six foot six, which is what Justice Winslow is, you cannot have a skill like his lack of shooting that stands out that much and can easily be removed from a series. We saw it during the playoffs last year, and unless that demonstrably improves, like that is ultimately going to be something that's hard to build around. I actually thought he's got his hair. 
God, Brian, have you heard Brian's take, Chris? No, no, I have not. Brian, do you want to share? Winslow's fro got to go. Brian believes that the Justice Winslow hair is impeding his shooting motion because his really? hair. So when he when he when he shoots his hand. Oh, didn't didn't you do like video analysis on this, Brian? Like I I remember someone like taking me through the video or like the picture shot by shot of his shooting mechanics and how the hair alters it. There are pictures, yes. Yeah. Because when he did not have the fro in summer league, he was shooting amazing. Mm. There was no hair. Uh, he had whatever he had going to, on. To up to to uh, yeah. to obtrude the uh, the arm angle. Yeah. He doesn't shot... have like a bad looking shot. This is weird. It's not. Yeah, it's just bad. It's, it's just bad. Like I, I remember like even watching like him in warm ups shoot jumpers from the elbow, and it was bad. Like there were times he would airball them. Or only like graze the rim or hit only the backboard. Like I would, I like for whatever reason. So when when I was doing the radio show, we'd do it live from the arena, and we'd be done at like six thirty, and it would it always happened to be Winslow that was warming up at that time, and I just watch him put jumper after jumper after jumper, and it just wasn't good. And like I, I to me, like that's one of those things where if you could fix it, you would. Like I don't know. I think you can. I mean, James Johnson was not a good shooter ever, and he became a not a good one, but a serviceable one. Yeah. Like James I mean, Johnson I, like, was not a good shooter this year, but he or like, was, or, but like Jason Kidd figured out figured it out like in year fifteen. I hate that we use him as an example. What for 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 Dude, shooting? He's a, he's a Hall of Fame talent. Like, I, I no, 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 I know. I'm I'm talking about that specific skill. Like, like it is now like shooting can now almost become overstated in a way because it is so important that like oh if if you're not a good shooter you're not a good player. But like I, I understand what you're saying about Jason Kidd where he was otherwise an unbelievable player. Yeah. But like, but 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 to me, in terms of developing developing that later in the career, like you remember the examples of those that do more than the many more who don't, and like I I, I th- that to me is the biggest concern that the Heat should have with Justice Winslow is that it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to come, and I I know it's harsh to do on a year and a quarter's evidence, but uh, it, it, if it doesn't happen soon, then I would be really concerned if I was Miami. Brian. Yes. You've talked pretty much the same amount this show that you do every show. You guys hijacked the show. Flo here with a really weird word. Buttery. Buttery? It's not quite butter. It's, it's more butterish. Or maybe buttery is like butchery or bakery, a shop that sells artisanal butter products. Dig in, America. Now a word that's even more weird. Flotection. Sure, it's not really a word, but it is really good protection for your new home through me and Progressive. No ifs, ands, or butteries about it. Sorry. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.